Good morning. Good morning. Hi, everyone. We're going to read scripture today. We're looking at Romans 15, verses 7 through 33. Again, Romans 15, verses 7 through 33. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise of the fathers, and so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people, and again, Praise the Lord, you Gentiles, let all the people praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. God's purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God, for I would not dare say anything except what Christ have, has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. That is why I have prevented many times from coming to you. But now I no longer have any work to do in these regions, and have strongly desired for many years to come to you wherever I travel to Spain. For I hope to see you when I pass through and be assisted by you for my journey there, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. Right now, I am traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints because Macedonia and Archaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual beliefs, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on the way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem will be accepted to the saints, and that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. May the God of peace be with all of you. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word.
All right. Y'all like, this is a long scripture. Get your mind right. All right, so the, the, the synopsis of the scripture is as follows. It's kind of like what our brother was sharing, um, that, some, that God saves somebody, includes them in his people, the church, and then from the church sends people out to continue to proclaim the gospel so that more and more people can be included in the people of God. This, this text is saying that, that God planned long ago to include you in the church and to bless the world through the church. So let, let's ask God to, to help us. Lord Jesus, would you speak today through the scriptures to your people? Lord, we submit to you. We ask that you would rule and reign and that you would teach us and that you would give us hearts that would seek to be obedient. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the first part, the first part, we can see that God intended to include you in the church. In other words, it wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't an afterthought. So, so, so you look at verse 7, it says, Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcision on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers, and so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the people praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, the Gentiles who have hope in him. What's going on here is that, that in the Old Testament, it kind of seems that, that God is somewhat ethnocentric because he's only dealing with one group of people. But what Paul is pointing to is from the beginning that his dealings with that one particular group of people would, would be the means through who he would include all the peoples. And, and it says something that, that I want you to hear. It says that Christ welcomes you. Not that he tolerates you. Not that he's like, I guess you can come if you want to. No, no, no. He welcomes you. What does it mean that he welcomes? Sometimes the, the welcome be like, there's a welcome mat. You can come on in if you want to. But the welcome is even stronger than that. The, 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 the welcome of Christ is not that he says you can come, but he came and found you. He seeks you out. That is the welcome of Christ. Me and my wife have been watching this show called The Chosen. And it's just, it has these, these scenes from the life of Jesus. And one of the scenes that stuck out to me was his conversation with the Samaritan woman, the woman who was rejected by her own society. And, and she was looking at him and saying, why did you come here? And Jesus said, no, 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 I intentionally came here at this, in, this time because I knew you would be here. And she was like, but I, I'm nobody. Everybody... Everybody hates me. Nobody wants to, to talk. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I rearranged my whole travel plans so that I could come and seek you. That is the welcome of Christ. And I'm sure that, that there are many stories of Christ seeking people in this room. Some of you, maybe he sought you through your parents. Maybe it was from a young age that he sought you. Some of you had to hit rock bottom. And then Jesus stretched his hand out. Nevertheless, he sought you. Maybe even today, 
Maybe he brought you here today because he is seeking you. That is the welcome of Christ. Not just, you can come if you want to, but I'm going to go find you. We see from the rest of this passage that, that God planned to include you and to bless you. Now, all these quotations that you see in that passage, it's, it's a quotation from the Old Testament scriptures. You got one from the Psalms, one from the law, one from the prophets. It's like saying the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about this point that God included, to, that God planned to include everybody in this plan. And Jesus, Jesus even testified to this in Luke 24. In Luke 24, Jesus says, he says, these were the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is after he rose from the dead. He said that everything written about me and the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And get this, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. I know that sometimes you're, when you're reading the Old Testament, you're like, what in the world is this about? Or the question might be, what does this have to do with me? Listen, the history of the Old Testament scriptures is a story about how God planned to accomplish the blessing of his people, which includes you. These stories about Abraham and Isaac, these stories about David, these, these stories of God fulfilling his promises over and over again. You need to understand that, that one of the individuals that God had in his mind when he was accomplishing these things thousands of years ago is you. That's how he seeks you. And because of this, God planned to fill you with joy and peace and hope. Now, look at verse 13. It says, now. Now, now is saying, look, like, remember what I just said, right? Now. In regards to whole, this whole plan to bless you now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, God has done all these things, has orchestrated all these minute details, has sought you out and welcomed you in Christ so that you could have joy and peace and hope. What type of joy? Listen, the, 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 I don't know if you've seen these stories where, where someone plans an elaborate proposal. You know, it's on camera, and, they, and then, then finally the guy gets down on the knee, and, and then the girl's like, okay, no. <laughs> right? She's like, yeah! You know, I see how much you have planned for this. And because I can see how much you've planned for this, I have such joy. That's the joy that we can have. What, what kind of peace is it? If God can orchestrate thousands of years of history, surely he can handle your life. Yeah? If he has organized, if his plan got fulfilled when people were tripping for thousands of years, even when you were tripping, God can still accomplish his plan. What kind of hope does it? Listen, the same God who has fulfilled his promises will come to fulfill his promises to you. This is the kind of joy and peace and hope that we can't get anywhere else. This is the welcome that we have in Christ. And so in view of that, the argument is that our lives ought to be offerings to God. 
Look at verse 14. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. What is he talking about here? He's talking about that if he is a priest, his offering to God is the people that he ministers to. Now, it's, it's kind of like our lives are present, right? We don't do offerings a lot. Uh, we probably shouldn't. That'd be weird. But our, our life is a present to God. And let's, like, like Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, here's the deal. Your life is a present to God. Now, now, it could be a good present or a bad one, yeah? yeah? Anybody ever had a bad present? Now, I don't know if somebody's handed you a present and it was wrapped all wonky. You know, they just threw, threw the tape around it like that. And you all, you like, man, that's probably going to be a really whack present. <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, I, I, if somebody, like my, my youngest son, he's, he's allergic to dairy. So if somebody wanted to give him a present and decided to give him something with dairy in it, I'd be like, you don't know him. <laughs> That is a really bad present. Why would you give him something that he was allergic to? But if our lives are a present to God, what are God's views about sin? Will we give him a life that's just wrapped up with sin? Would he like that? He's, he's kind of allergic to that, y'all. What he's saying is that a good Christian leader's aim is to help you Offer up a holy life to God. That's why he said, I'm going to remind you more boldly. What he's saying is, I might tell you some stuff that you don't like. This, this, this means that, that sometimes in the church that we have to correct with love. Listen, I know what it's like when, like, I, I put together some furniture yesterday. It was great. It wasn't. Anyway, I know what it's like to put together some furniture, and then you kind of get towards the end, and you realize you did it wrong. You ever been there? And, and then, then you kind of have to, oh, man, I got to unscrew all this stuff. Now, listen, listen. Sometimes there's correction that comes to your life, and, it's, and you spend all this time building something, and somebody says, well, actually, it, it ain't really supposed to be built like that. Now, you could get mad, or you can be like, well, that's right. The, 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 the gift that I'm giving to the giver, he wouldn't like it in this way. There's, there's some beliefs that we could have that could be unpleasing to him. There's some actions that we can have that could be unpleasing to him. And even if that means we have to go and undo some stuff, it's a loving thing for someone to say, no, you need to fix it right, though. Make, make, make sure he likes it. This means that, that we ought to equip one another so that we are able to instruct one another. That's what it says in verse 14. One of the ways you know if you understand something is if you can teach it, yes? But the idea is this, that when we understand the Scripture, when we understand what God is saying, that there, every now and then we got to tell each other to undo some stuff so we can do it right, so the gift giver, sorry, so the gift receiver would like it. It's like, like, like we're, we're, we're planning our lives together as an offering to God. Now, I've been watching some people plan a party recently. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that, right? But when you're planning a party, you're thinking about the one for whom the party is for. And you're, you're making all these detailed plans, and you're making particular sacrifices. Beloved, that's what our life is supposed to be. That's what our life together is supposed to be, so that when we stand before the Lord, he says, I like that. 
You made that with me in mind. Why, why would that matter? Because he has given us joy and peace and hope because he has welcomed us. Why would we not offer up something that he likes? So not only that, that we also need to understand that the church must work together to continue to welcome people into God's family. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel of Christ has not been named, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have not heard about him will see, and those who have not uh, seen will, will hear. And this is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. But now I no longer have any work to do in these regions. And I strongly desire for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain, for I hope to see you when I pass through and be assisted by you for my journey. Here's the deal. Have you, have you ever like, had a phone conversation with somebody and then like right at the end of the conversation they told you why they really called? Does that happen to you? That this is what's happening right now. <laughs> Paul's saying, listen, I know we had a lot of good conversations about, you know, uh, justification, and we had, you know, good conversations about how to grow in Christ. But listen, listen, I'm trying to get to Spain to share the gospel, and y'all on the way, and ministry ain't free. <laughs> and he's saying, I hope we can have fun, but I also hope I can be assisted by you on my journey. This is so interesting. The, the, the most theologically rich letter we have is, in reality, a fundraising letter. That is what it is. It is a letter so that this missionary can continue the mission of Christ and include the church in this mission. He's, listen, he says, like, look, this is the apostolic mission that's not just for the apostles themselves, but the whole church joins together so that the gospel of Christ continues to spread throughout the whole world. What's crazy is how nonchalantly Paul is like, look, I, I, didn't, I preached the gospel, signs and wonders happened, you know, all this kind of stuff like that. But the apostolic mission is fulfilled through gospel proclamation and signs. I get this, this, this um, little magazine once a month, it's called The Voice of the Martyrs, and it tells stories of Christians living in very difficult places. They're sharing the gospel, and people are coming to Christ, and there's one story that stuck out to me. This, this, uh, this month is this, from this little bitty country in Southeast Asia called Laos. And there's a story of this, this elderly woman, this 70-year-old woman, and, and she was a widow, and she came to know Christ through the frustration of a long-term illness. Now, none of the traditional remedies, such as healers and prayers to ancestors, improved her help. But Christians prayed for her, and she was healed. Now listen, she's from a country where they don't take kindly to people being Christians. And this is how I knew she was a gangster, because they questioned her, and listen to what she said. She said, why do you keep bothering me about this? Do you have eyes? I was very ill. Christians came to pray for me, and I was healed. Of course I will go worship the one who healed me and fellowship with the Christians. What is going on here? That the gospel message was proclaimed, but there were some accompanying signs that confirmed the word of the gospel. 
Beloved, I pray for this all the time. Listen, we need to share the gospel. And I'm like, Lord, would you, would you accompany the presentation of the gospel with signs so that people will go, oh man, what they're saying is for real. Listen, we read about these things, but I want to see them here. Paul's saying the church's mission must be to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been preached. Listen, in this, in this world, there are about 7.75 billion people, okay? 3.23 billion live in people groups with little or no access to the gospel. That's 41% of people. I'm not saying they heard about Jesus and said, nah. I'm saying they did not have the opportunity to hear. And Paul would say, listen, church, it has to be our aim to preach the gospel where Christ has yet not been named. That's why we support our brother. Because we want this mission to be accomplished. Now some of y'all are like, but we live in the South. Don't everybody know? Yeah, okay, I'm glad y'all have a realistic view of that. The author, Flannery O'Connor, she says this. She says, while the South is hardly Christ-centered, it most certainly is Christ-haunted. Meaning this, people, people might have heard about him. They see some evidence of his past work. But do they know him? Beloved, when I, when I talk to people, when I ask them about who Jesus is, they have some sort of recognition about what he has done, maybe. But their functional understanding of the gospel is not there. So we have a mission here, too. We don't want Christ to just be a memory. We, want, we don't want just church builders to be a testament of what he used to do. We have a mission to accomplish here. And Paul, a very good financial support letter writer, right? He says that the church must give financially to accomplish this mission. Listen, we have peace and joy and hope from the Spirit. If we have experienced this and it's been genuine, then we would want others to experience this. Jesus, in a really, like, really um, simple way, says, put your money where your mouth is. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So we give sacrificially so that the mission can be accomplished. Imagine if we gave to the degree of the welcome we have received in Christ. What would that look like? Not like, okay, here you go. No, no, Christ said, come here. That is our posture. Now, he, he, it's interesting because in the letter, like, there's a letter explaining, you know, I got to go and I got to preach the gospel. But he also has to explain why he hasn't done it yet. Why, why has he been kind of slow? We can see starting in verse 25 that the church must care for each other materially. <laughs> verse 25 says, right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem. Paul, you just said you want to go to Spain. What are you doing? Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased, and indeed we are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister them in material need. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on my way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ." The situation in Judea is that there was a severe famine. So the place where the gospel got to start 
had churches that were starving. And Paul said, yeah, I know I got to go to Spain to preach the gospel, but we got brothers and sisters over here. He, I want you to understand something. He did not pit spiritual needs and material needs against one another. You see that? He didn't say, well, y'all can be hungry. We got to go help people. No, 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 no. He said, we got, these, these are, are two planes that we have to care about. Listen, listen, there are various disasters going around around the world. And, and Brian mentioned something called the cooperative program, which 5% of everything you give goes to. Listen, when there is a disaster, I know the guy, the guy who, who goes with the team. He, he teaches me Taekwondo and they go when there's a disaster and they start fixing houses. Listen, they don't put uh, the preaching of the gospel against helping with tangible needs. They say it goes hand in hand and we have to do both. He also indicates something that these two churches, the Jewish and the Gentile church, didn't always get along, right? And he was saying one way that they can get along is that they can help each other when they're in need. Yeah, that's one way they can get along. Listen, we have been recipients of this. Y'all, we got churches that supported us that have been Pentecostal, they've been evangelical, uh, they've been Anglican. All kinds of churches that are not necessarily from our tradition have supported us, and we have had the privilege of supporting churches throughout the world when when we help uh, build roofs for those churches in Burkina Faso, and we help support that church in Spain. Listen, this, this shows the unity of the body of Christ when we support one another, even though we might be a little different than each other. Go down to verse 30. It says, all the ministry of the church must be undergirded by prayer. Look at verse 30. It says, now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I might be rescued from unbelievers in Judea and that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. May the God of peace be with you all. In other words, Paul just described a really complex task, right? He's like, you know, we got to give money so that we can go preach to these places that don't have it, and there's certain obstacles that exist there, but also in these other places, there's people who don't have any food, so we need to make sure that we get the money to go help these people. He's explaining this complex task of spreading the gospel and caring for the needy, and he says, listen, if we're going to accomplish this task, We need the Lord. If we are going to make any dent in this complex task, we need the Lord's help. We need to be people of prayer. Listen to his language. He didn't say pray when you think about it. He says, I want you to strive together with me in prayer. To strive together with me in prayer. What does it mean to strive together in prayer? Now listen, I've been a part of a lot of different churches now. I was first discipled in a Pentecostal church, and y'all, they can pray. Pentecostal people can pray. If you want somebody to pray, you want them to pray for you, okay? And I remember just as a, as a, young, a young person looking at, at these people praying, I'm like, they praying like, like they talking to somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> they praying like, 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 like God going to hear them. They're praying like they believe somebody's going to listen to them. Beloved, let's pray like that. When we seek the Lord, let God, if you could tell, no, no, 
No, that's not striving together in prayer. No, we, listen, here's the deal. You're like, well, why would I strive? Because, because does that mean he doesn't want me to do the thing? Listen, listen. Have you ever had a child ask you for some food? And you said no. And what did the child do? I'm still hungry, though. Now, after a while, they were like, I'm dying. <laughs> like, please give me some. And after a while, you're like, just take the food, man. <laughs> you know, like, but this is the idea. Listen, listen, we are striving in prayer, not because we believe God is not going to do it, but because we believe if we are persistent, he is. That's why we strive in prayer. And, beloved, we have much to strive. We have to pray for the furtherance of the gospel. Listen, when he, when, when he sent me that video this week, I, I almost wanted to quit my job and move. I said, these people cannot be dying without Christ. We're not having the opportunity to hear. Beloved, we have to pray. We have to pray for the health of the church and the health of the churches around us. And beloved, because of the large and complex mission, we have to pray to be refreshed by the Spirit of God. We don't have the energy in of ourselves to accomplish this. But there is one who created everything that you can see. And if we strive in prayer to him, he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, now if you can look to, through the scriptures a lot in there, but you could miss something. If you, if you look at the very beginning in verse 8, it says, it says For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised. Now, now how, how did Christ become a servant to, the, to fulfill the promises that we see unfolding now? What did he do? Beloved, he became a servant to the point of death. Philippians 2, 6 and 8, 6 through 8 says, Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' obedient, sacrificial death is the means through which he fulfills all the promises written in the Old Testament, and also the means by which your sins are forgiven and you are welcomed into the family of God. And beloved, he didn't just stay there. He rises again and fulfills his promises through the church. On the day of Pentecost, the first day of the church, really, Peter's trying to explain what's going on. And he says, therefore, since God has exalted, excuse me, therefore, since Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He has poured out what you both see in here. Beloved, Jesus is sitting on the throne at the right hand of God, and he is still accomplishing the plans of God through his church. This is the servant, the one who was obedient to death, the one who beat death itself. That's the one we should come to. Now, the question is this. I really want to hammer down on this. I always want to make it practical, and there's a lot of stuff in here, but I just, like, how exactly could we tangibly strive together in prayer? What would that look like? When I tell you, you're going to be like, that's real simple, but because it's simple, I hope you do it. One of the ways that we can strive together, not individually together in prayer, is that we would pray the same things. 
Listen, I, I, I've told you a lot about this ancient Christian practice of setting aside two or three times a day for prayer. And you're like, well, what did they do during those times? This is what they would do. They would read or recite Psalms, and they would pray the Lord's Prayer. You'd be like, well, that's real easy. Good. That means you can do it. <laughs> right? They would read or recite Psalms. They would recite Scripture, and they would pray the Lord's Prayer. This is how they knew that they were praying for the same things. Right? We, I, we don't just pray the prayer because it's interesting. It's the prayer that Jesus gave us, yeah? I, I, I figure, like, we should pray that one, right? Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. It's holy. Your kingdom come. You know the rest. What, what if you were to use that as a template for your prayer? I know that sometimes when you go to prayer, you're like, I don't know what I should pray for. What if that was a template? What if you used each line as a template and you would set aside two or three times a day? Then have, you don't have to pray forever. But what if you were to set aside two or three times a day to pray, and we would pray that together? Even though we're apart, we could pray it together, and we could be striving together in prayer. Listen, I, I know one of the most confusing parts is your kingdom come. Like, What are you saying when he says that? This is from an ancient catechism. It says, your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve your church and make it grow. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. That's some stuff to pray for right there. Yeah? One more thing I want to say about that prayer. It's plural. And they, they say, my father, it says our. They didn't say my sins, it says our. This is a prayer that is inviting you, not just to pray for you, but to pray for the people around you, to pray for your family, to pray for the church, to pray for your community. What if we would just dedicate ourselves to that simple task? Beloved, when, I, when, I, when I'm at home and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I live, I live down the street, so I, I think about this community a lot, and I say, Lord, your kingdom come. And I'm like, Lord, Lord, would you be the king of people's hearts here? I, I know about some works of the devil over here. I'm, Lord, would you destroy them? Lord, would you destroy those works of the devil over there? I know some people who need forgiveness. Lord, Lord, I start naming them. Would you, would you forgive that person? And would you forgive that person? I pray for our church, and, and I say, Lord, Lord, protect us from the enemy. Oh, there's much that we could pray for, much that we could strive together for. And, beloved, if we strive together for it, for the thing that he told us to strive together for, will he not answer? So let, let's, let, let, let's be thankful to God for including us in his plan and let us strive together in prayer for the spreading of the gospel and the service of the needy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, that you would invite us into your plan is baffling because you can accomplish all things by yourself. But you have included us in that plan. And so, Lord, let, let us not squander that opportunity, but, Lord, let us serve you with our whole lives in thankfulness. And, Lord, let us be people of prayer who pray like God is real, who pray like he hears us, who pray like he will answer. Would you accomplish all of this by the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.